Yesterday, Christianity is the way back to paradise. And Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We also spoke about the mystery of piety, Epsevia. Christianity is called Epsevia. And new creation, Genictesis. Itis en Christo, Genictesis. The old has passed, the new, Christ says, here I'm making everything new. And in Corinthians 2.17, if someone abides in Christ, he's a new creation. And the life of the faithful is hidden inside. <clears throat> the life of the faithful is hidden inside the body of Christ, which is the church. The church is the body of Christ. And when Christ appears, our life, then we will appear brand new along with him. No aches, no pains, no white hair, <laughs> a beautiful age. Uh, <clears throat> everything will be brand new. It was, was worth saying last night when St. Andrew, the fool for Christ, tasted a little bit of the kingdom of God when he was ready to pass out. He was ready to freeze to death. And he was taken up and all of a sudden he was dressed like a prince, you know, in the kingdom of God. And these are, again, this is not the total picture because Aritarimata, St. Paul says, these are uncreated things that we cannot even grasp with this mind. We cannot grasp these truths. But we have the hope and the expectation and the faith that someday, you know, we can taste these things if we stay faithful, if we stay in the true faith. In Ephesians 4.24, St. Paul says, put on, dress, become dressed with the new men, built according to God. Tonight, we will talk about Christianity being the Ano Yerushalim, or Upper Jerusalem. The Old Jerusalem did something evil in the eyes of the Lord. The earthly Jerusalem, as the center of Judaism, crucified Christ. And the Jewish leadership interpreted the prophets materially. They were not spiritual people. Their noose was darkened, and they hang the king of glory. I came to my own, but my own did not receive me. He came to his own people. He brought salvation first to the Jews and then through them to the Gentiles. But his own did not receive him and they crucified him. And now the earthly Jerusalem no longer serves as the connecting center for the faithful of God. Even though many Protestants believe reading the book of the Revelation they believe that Christ is going to come back and land and stay in Jerusalem. And there he's going to reign for 1,000 years. And this is the trap. Because such a Christ will come to Jerusalem. And he will reign 
but his reign will only last for about seven years, and he will be the Antichrist, the king of Zionism. In 1963, Ben-Gurion, one of the Zionists and head of state of Jerusalem, when he was asked in the Look magazine, how do you see the world in 25 years? He said that in 25 years, we will have the continent, we will have the federation of the continents the center of the world will be Jerusalem and we will have one international police force. It is happening right now. If you come to the United States and you go through the New Holland Channel, the, you know, you go through the bridges, they are militia, military with machine guns all over the place to get people used to, they're trying, they think they're trying to protect us. You know. And through this idea of terrorism, they are slowly bringing on a military state. So the faithful, truly faithful, always look towards the upper Jerusalem. In Galatians 4.26, we read, but the upper Jerusalem is free. She is the mother of us all. Our mother is the heavenly Jerusalem. We do not have a permanent city, but we are waiting and yearning for a future city which is heaven. This is the city of the Christians. In Hebrews we read, Jesus also suffered outside of the city gate. And all this, what was the reason why he was sacrificed outside because they didn't want anything unclean. Anybody who was sacrificed was supposed to be uh, hanged outside of Jerusalem. And all the sacrifices were carried out outside of the city gate. And then they would only bring the blood into the temple to sprinkle the Holy of Holies. But this is symbolic because Christ is the perfect sacrifice and he was sacrificed, he suffered outside of the city gates, outside of Jerusalem. So St. Paul says, let's go out towards him, outside of the camp, bearing his reproach. Let's not become worldly Christians. Let the world despise us, St. Paul says, that's okay. Let us bring on and bear the onivismo, the reproach of Christ, the ridicule that Christ bore, and the cross, the cross of the Christian is this reproach. So let's get out of the historic Jerusalem means let's not be Christians of this world, Christians of compromise lukewarm Christians who want to have a perfect combination of sin and salvation, Christians who want it all, these Christians Christ will spew out of his mouth on that day. Our country, our city, our domain is the upper Jerusalem, Yano Yerusalem, the one that John in the book of the Revelation shows descending from heaven with his Beautiful explanation in the book of the Revelation. So the faithful stays out of the world. In what sense? How can we as faithful survive in this society, in this world? We have a beautiful writing, a beautiful manuscript from the writings of the church. It is called the Epistle to the Ognitos, this Christian, the Ognitos, a wonderful philological treasure, gives us instruction on what and how Christi uh, Christians are supposed to behave in this world. Christians, he says, reside in different countries. 
They live in Canada, they live in America and Australia, in Alaska and Greece and Russia. But all of them live as sojourners, parepidimi is the Greek word, pariti, as visitors to this world. They take part in everything, but they remain as foreigners. Their mind is in heaven. They pay taxes, they go to work, they respect the laws of the state as long as the laws do not offend the laws of the heavenly king. They take part in everything. They shop, they use the transportation, they use the electricity, the water. They stay in the world, but they're not polluted by the evils of the world. They exist in the world, but they don't take part in the passions of the world. They use this world, but they don't abuse it. Chromeni ke ukata chromeni. Every foreign land feels like their country. And every one of their countries feels like a foreign place. And how true. You know, somebody from the government approached St. Basil and began to threaten him. You know, I will, I will exile you. He says, so what? I will... I will find all kinds of peace. The entire earth is of God. And I will take your belongings. I don't have anything. I can put you to death. Great, I won't last long. I will go right in heaven immediately. Nothing you can do to me. He says, I never, I never met anybody speak like this before. Maybe you never met another bishop before. And today, unfortunately, we do not have met very many bishops like that in our holy church. <clears throat> Sometimes we feel very far away. We may be in the best of our relatives during holidays, but if they do not have the Spirit of God, we sit there and we feel empty, and we feel like foreigners, that happens. And we all go through that, because unfortunately, not every one of the members of our families are spiritual people. And you can sit there with your own family and feel like a foreigner. And then you come to your spiritual family, and you can be thousands of miles away, and you feel at home. They happen to have a body. They're made of flesh, but they don't live according to the spirit of the flesh. They're not fleshly people. The Christian has a body, but he does not get mixed in a carnal mindset. They live, they reside on earth, but their polity, their citizenry, is in heaven. Uranopolite is the Greek word. The soul resides in the body, but it is not fleshly. It is not of the body. It is not governed by the pleasures of the body. The noose governs the body. This is the position of the Christian in the world. St. Paul in Philippians 3.20 says, Our politevma, our polity, is in heaven. So Christianity is not the earthly or lower Jerusalem, but the upper Jerusalem. And yes, we can visit the earthly Jerusalem. It's a blessing to see where our Lord walked but we can be anywhere in the world and we can bring the holy mountain in our heart and Jerusalem in our heart and the Lord himself in our heart. 
because every place on earth is a Christian's country. If he has the Holy Spirit, he's with God, and the earth belongs to God. But finally, we come to another name of Christianity in which we remind ourselves that we don't exhaust the names of Christianity. We simply chose some of the main ones in the New Testament. And this is the very characteristic, the name that's beyond and above every name, and that is kingdom. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not a religion but it's the kingdom of God, Vasilia. Most of all, Christianity is called the kingdom of God. Even the content of the gospel is the kingdom of God. St. <clears throat> John the Baptist was preaching, <clears throat> repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Christ began his sermon the same way. In Luke 9.2, and he sent his disciples to preach, not the good news, but the kingdom of God, to Basilea to Theru. So the kingdom of God is a new polity, something that has nothing to do with this world, a new way of life, a new relationship between God and men, a new life. And the kingdom of God cannot be affected by the evils of this world. I know we have thousands of Orthodox here in Toronto, but a few are going to remain faithful. A few. Unfortunately, these things that the, the Christ warned us about are victimizing most of our people. Be aware of Methus, Methus, and Merimnes Viotikes, when they asked him, what's going to happen towards the end of time? You know, how would the end of time be? Be aware. Watch yourselves. Watch yourselves, lest your heart become heavy with drunkenness, licentiousness, parties, and daily cares, the things of this world that are, that are weighing us down, that are making us compromise with this world. The number one enemy of Christianity today, not necessarily heresy, not necessarily uh, anything else other than a secular Christianity. The number one enemy of Christianity today is secularization. To have the world mixed with Christianity, and when that happens, you know, the same thing happens when you have a boiling pan pot of water, and you take cold water and you throw it in. That's what happens when we are not careful and we are constantly searching for more material things, striving for things that are not going to mean anything 50, 75, or 100 years from now. So the kingdom of God is inside of us. The kingdom of God cannot be affected from this world from anything if we are true Christians. Nobody can take the kingdom of God away from us. Remember the 40 martyrs celebrate, I believe, March 9. They were freezing together, 40 of them, in the Caspian Sea. They were freezing, and as the blood was ripping their skin open, and slowly the blood was becoming solid and death was approaching. You know, they were they were pushing each other along. The winter, the cold is horrible, not paradise will be sweet. 
And this is this their mind was in paradise. In the kingdom of God, nobody took the kingdom of God away from them. The kingdom of God is invincible. Our martyrs, they became citizens of the kingdom. They were attacked. They didn't lose this kingdom. They left this subjective kingdom. The kingdom of God was inside of them. The kingdom of God is within us. From this life, from this life. And when their body was put to death, now instead of having the kingdom of God just inside of them, now they are inside of the whole kingdom of God, the paradise of God. So St. Paul says, to me, to die is gain. To die, for the Christian, to die is gain. I have nothing to lose. To me, it's better to die and go with the Lord, St. Paul says. But if I stay around a few more years, that's better for you, because you will be able to strengthen the flock, the, the, the body of Christ. So the kingdom of God is a visible reality, and it will be totally unaffected. The human being, the person of the kingdom, will never be affected from the Antichrist, from the evils of this world, but he needs to stay pure. Because, as we said yesterday, nothing impure will ever enter the kingdom of God. Nor anyone who works abomination, who does evil things, and lives a double life, a life of deceit. And we have a lot of that going around today, especially from positions of leadership. When they're in front of us, in front of the Orthodox, they sound very Orthodox. And then when they speak at different universities and different, different denominations, when they're invited to speak, and I don't know why, because we have such a dilemma with Orthodox and our people in this country that even if they work 24 hours a day, it wouldn't be enough time to help the Orthodox faithful that are suffering. Both of these dialogues, we hear different meanings and a double talk, a double tongue, characteristic of the devil. <clears throat> Christ says, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. When Pilate asked him, who are you? Are you a king? And he says, yes, you're right. I am a king. But my kingdom is not of this world. St. Paul tells Timothy, Grab and get a hold of this eternal life. Unfortunately, most Orthodox today, Orthodox who want to unite us with different denominations and people of Asevia, they don't believe in the upper kingdom. They want a kingdom of this world. They want power in this world. They want to unite Christianity thinking that if you, not, if you unite truth with a lie, we're going to accomplish things. Nothing will be accomplished. The truth will be lost, and this false church will be handed to the vehicle of Antichrist. As, as Father Athanasius teaches in Revelation, the official church in the last days will follow the Antichrist. We see it. These things are very visible in our days. These rumors are going around. And we need to become more, more careful and more vigilant 
in these difficult days that are coming ahead. ahead. The kingdom of God must stay inside of us. It doesn't come with noise. We don't need noise. We think that if it was a lot of us, not a lot of orthodox during the times of areas. If you remember, St. Gregory the Theologian was nearly stoned when he entered Constantinople to be the patriarch. Every church was in the hands of the Arians, every church. When he went there, he didn't even have a church. He started preaching out of a home and doing liturgies. And finally, they had one church. And slowly, slowly, that fire lit up all over the empire again. And orthodoxy prevailed. Orthodoxy will prevail regardless of the bad shepherds. Because orthodoxy is the body of Christ. Orthodoxy is divine. Everything else is a humanistic ideal, and it will be burned on that day. Works of darkness. So we're not going to make a lot of noise as true Christians. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. See, we want noise today. We want to be part of something big. But that's anti-scriptural. This is what the Jews wanted. They wanted a Messiah to come, you know, with noise, with an entourage, to destroy and go against the Romans and free them. And this is what the false type of Christianity wants today. They want to unite so they can make a noise in the world. But Christ says, this is not my kingdom. The kingdom of God does not come with observation and a lot of noise. It comes like a subtle wind in the heart of each person, one person at a time, one person at a time. This is how the apostles spread Christianity. They didn't go all over to unite with all the other religions. They converted people. They didn't make deals. It's okay if you're Jewish, stay Jewish. We're not going to. We don't need you to change. Well, if you're Catholic, that's okay. You're a heretic, but you know you don't have to change. We have common ground. Well, if that's the case, we have common ground with, with the devil too. He was created from God, so we have something common with the, with the devil. He was God's creation, but we have something common with him. This is the logic of these people. Let's look for common ground. The kingdom of God comes one person at a time, one sermon at a time. It takes work. The apostles work day and night preaching the word of God, day and night. St. Paul, an apostle, was going around teaching and catechizing day in and day out, changing one Christian at a time. In Athens, only a few Christians followed. St. Dionysius and Damaris and several others. Few people. So let's not expect fireworks with Christianity anymore. What we're doing right here, we are building this kingdom of God inside of us, one brick at a time. From the time we felt the presence of God inside of us, from the time we decided that, yes, I am a Christian and I need to work for my soul. From the time we had that shaking inside of us, the kingdom of God was established inside our heart, inside of our being. So the kingdom of God does not come with parades and observation and all kinds of cloud all over the world. kingdom of God is Christ, is Christ. Christ will not be in the kingdom of God. He is the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, we will be seen 
the face will have vision of Christ. Vision of Christ. What is the kingdom of God? To be in the vision of Christ, to be seen Christ. There is no greater happiness, no greater blessedness. And we get a glimpse of this from some of the, from some of the elders, contemporary elders, who after purifying their hearts and doing the ascesis of the Orthodox Church, the nipsis of the fathers of the Philokalia, the prayer of the heart, the Jesus prayer, and they reach these states of purification, illumination, and theosis, and then they taste their body or their soul is taken up to heaven. And after this, they say that what they tasted and what they saw, even if they would have to wait for a million years through all kinds of martyrdom, they would wait. World. St. Paul says, I has not seen, ear has not heard what God has prepared for us. What God has prepared for us. Yaranda says, Yaranda Joseph, one time, I remember if it was in the morning, after an all-night vigil, you know, he was saying, there's so much wealth in heaven, so much wealth in heaven, but there are no people that want it. The Christians don't want it anymore. There's so much treasure. And all it takes is a little effort, a few hours a day, a little effort, so much treasure. Christianity is also the correct way of life. Outside of Christianity, we don't know how to live. Outside of Christianity, we don't know how to behave. Only the Christian who has adjusted his noose to the orthodox revealed truth of Jesus Christ, he knows how to live. The Christian knows why he's born. He knows why he dies. Death is the last enemy, but death has been defeated. He knows what is marriage and what is virginity. He knows the difference between the caterpillar, the whale, and the dolphin, and an unborn child. He knows the difference between a pet and a hungry child. Most people don't know that difference today. They take pets to hospitals and spend, spend hundreds of dollars on them. Someone said today, I wouldn't be surprised if in our days we will see marriage between a man and an animal. Maybe this is an exaggeration, but I hope we don't, we don't live long enough to see this the way this society is headed. Christians know how to prioritize their life. All the societies of the past, the Athenian society, the Egyptian, the Roman, the Greek, the Macedonian, the Greek Macedonian, the Babylonian society, the Assyrians, they were staggering societies, not able to stand up. Their laws were based on their needs. The Spartan society needed a strong soldier base very tough, very harsh terrain. So to them, life meant being able to fight. If a child was born with a little defect, was taken over to the ravine of Keadas and thrown overboard. The child was killed. So he wouldn't have any defects you know, in the society. So only in Christianity we know the value of life. Outside of Christianity, we have chaos. According to St. Gregory the Theologian, Christianity is the imitation of the Holy Trinity. 
to imitate the Holy Triune God, St. Gregory of Nyssa. He expresses a little bit differently. He says, Christianity is the imitation of divine nature. So as human beings, we will, we will live successfully and reach our purpose if we imitate the Holy Trinity. God is one essence, one essence, but three persons. Do you know how many, how many of our Orthodox have no idea who Jesus Christ is? I guess they sense it. We go through these, these chants in the divine liturgy, but it doesn't mean anything because the noose is not open. And I have one of my partners at work. He was fighting with uh, his in-laws and about 10, 15 other people who are all telling him these are the, some of the most pious people in our congregation. They were telling him, no, Christ is not God. He's the Son of God. Christ is not God. He's the Son of God. No, he, he was born 2,000 years ago. People are ignorant of these very, very basic truths. God is of one essence, but he has three hypostases, three persons, three personalities. So, just like God being of one essence, all of us people, all human beings are of one essence. We're all humans. We have the same blood. We're all created by God. All people, all humans, are of one essence. People don't understand that. Today, we still have racial differences. We still have prejudices. We're all descendants of not Adam and Eve. There's a little detail here. Not Adam and Eve. Adam. Adam. When God is creating Eve, he does not repeat the same method of creation. God created Adam from the earth. He took clay and formed Adam. So Eve was not created the same way. She was created from the side of Adam to show that she's equal. She's a human being. And believe me, that needs to be revealed. Only Christ showed this to the world. And women should be extremely grateful to Jesus Christ. It was Christ who taught the world that a woman is an equal human being. In a different civilization, even to this day, if you go to India. So all people, all human beings are of one essence. We all have the same cell structure, same nature. But as human beings, we also need to be free. Because the one essence of Trinity expresses the unity, the unity of humankind. And the many persons express the freedom of the persons, the freedom. So if we're going to imitate Holy Trinity or societies, this boils down to unity and freedom. And these constitute the fundamental principles of a healthy society, any healthy society. And if these Christian principles would apply, then we would have no problem in our societies. But nations today don't want other nations to be free because of our pleasures, because of our hedonism. We attack other nations, not because we are hungry, but because we want more. We want more material things. We don't respect the freedom of other people. The headlines of the Greek Constitution start in the name of the Holy Trinity. I don't know for how long, but at least up to now, the 
headlines of the Greek Constitution start in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which means that Greek people, Greek Orthodox, are supposed to be united, united, of one essence, and free. This is the imitation of the Holy Trinity. As Christians, we need to be united and free in Christ. So outside of Christ, we cannot become successful in achieving this imitation, the life of the Trinity. We are co-planted and participants of the body of Christ. Saint Basil makes this wonderful statement. The definition of Christianity, the rule of Christianity, is the imitation of Christ according to the measure of the incarnation found in each person. The incarnation of Christ in each person. Meaning what? That Christ is conceived inside of us. Remember, in some other talks, that we talked that Theotokos is not the only Theotokos. She is the par excellence Theotokos, but we are all Theotokos. We all conceive the spirit of salvation. Christ must be born in us. And the question is, how much Christ do we have in us? What is this measure of Christ's incarnation inside of us? What is the measure of this incarnation? How complete is the image of Christ in each human being? St. Paul says in Romans 8, 29, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Predestination is a horrible heresy because... If one's saved, all was saved, then we don't have to do anything. It's anti-scriptural. God knows. First, he foreknew. Then, he predestined. This is the key. He knows it all. Apocatabolis cosmos. From the beginning of creation, he knows who the saved people will be. He sees it all. In God, there is no past, present, or future. God sees everything as now, as present. God sees it all. And when he sees that the people have the proelesis, the, the disposition to follow him, to follow him, then he will present opportunities to them to help them out. He who has, more will be given. The one who didn't want to use his talents, he took his talents and gave them to the one who had more. So Ecumenius says that this is exactly what Jesus is in his nature, in his incarnation, holy and sinless, and this is how we're supposed to be. To become one in form with the image of the Son. And the image of the Son of God is the incarnation. So I must imitate Christ because I am his image. And we are images of Christ in a double sense. I am what Christ is. Saint Irenaeus says that the scripture says that we are in the image of God, but at that time Christ was not revealed yet. So the phrase being in the image of God was incomplete. But when Christ came, we have the full and complete expression. So we touched on this a little bit last night. We are in the image of Christ, who is God. 
Adam was created based on the incarnation of Christ. We use the word blueprints. I don't know how correct it is. But Adam was created based on what Christ's incarnation would be later. So Adam, so Christ being the new Adam, was not fashioned, not take the form of Adam, but Adam took the form of the incarnate Logos. So man is the image of Christ, and this image holds true for the body and soul. For the A lot of people think that we are in the image of God only in the soul. No, both body and soul. Christ had a body and a soul. However, we are all created, all human beings are created in the image of God. The image must reach its fullness now. We must reach the likeness of God, the likeness of Christ. In a parable uh, of the banquet, many are called, but few are chosen. Everyone is called. God wants everyone to be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth, to the epignosis of the truth. Everyone. However, few are going to accept this invitation. It is a mystery. It is a mystery. You know, how the grace of God reaches each individual soul. Everybody has their own individual story, every Christian. It is a mystery of God. St. Peter says, In this you were called. In this we were called. Christ left you behind an example. He left you a model to follow, but you should follow in his footsteps. We did no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. So Christ is our model. And we need to pass from the image to the likeness. Not of God, because nobody has seen God, but of Christ, who is our God. So St. Paul says something very similar when he tells in Ephesians 4.13, we must attain the measure of the fullness of Christ. We must, uh, we must attain and grow up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Is this possible? It's difficult. But it is possible because this is what our saints did. What are the saints? They are little Christs. They are gods by grace. That's what our calling is. We need to measure up to the spiritual stature of Christ and we should not compare ourselves with our neighbors and the rest of society and say, yeah, we're okay, we go to church. You know, it's funny, you know, uh, we talk to a lot of people and say, oh, our, our kids are good, you know, they don't steal, they don't, you know, they don't drink, they don't smoke, they, they don't do drugs, you see, this makes them good. <laughs> In other words, they're not in jail, so they're good. <laughs> This is not the measure that we're supposed to follow. We're supposed to compare ourselves. And this will keep us very humble. It'll keep us with the humility of the tax collector. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. 
he lost it even to Amartolo when we compare ourselves to Christ or even to the saints. But let's not lose hope because we have Bartholomew's and the rest of the saints telling us that the Christians of the end of times and the monks of the end of times will not be able to accomplish much. much. They will not have virtues because they will be in such a mess. The whole world will be so difficult that just to stay strong and keep the faith of Christ, they will be considered equal to the saints of the old. And this is very encouraging, very encouraging. So let's not despair. We need to repent continually, try the best we can, and cry to the Lord. Today we're experiencing a great apostasy all over the church. The galloping of the Antichrist are all over the place. We see clouds over the horizon of the Christian nations. Few people are standing up for the truth. People ask, why are our children not in church? They were going to Sunday school. They were altar boys. And now they don't step in church. The reason is because we did not work our salvation. We do not have shepherds of love. Shepherds like Saint Basil, who prayed, not only prayed day and night, but they taught the flock every day. They cannot say that a bishop that doesn't teach every day to be excommunicated. Bishops taught the flock on a daily basis. They were teachers. They were teaching the word of God. They were visiting the sick. and not the politicians, and not the heresiarchs, and the big names of this world. We have lost the essence of Christianity. We have changed Christianity into politics and into paychecks. Politics and Christianity do not mix. Politics are of this world. Christianity is the kingdom of God. Our children are not in church because we have not given them spiritual milk. We have done very much to kill them spiritually. And we're all at fault. They have no idea what the church is. They have no idea about ecclesiology. But then again, not a lot of our priests do. <clears throat> the canons don't mean much anymore. Because we are so busy with our everyday lives so busy taking care of the earthly kingdom that we forget about the heavenly. We are not proud of the Christian name as a whole. As Christians, we succumb to the threats and the voices of a few thousand members of the ACLU. As Christians, we don't dare speak up And in public places, we can no longer raise our voice. In France today, you cannot wear a big cross. It's against the law, against the law. The Christian name, unfortunately, which is the greatest name under the sun,
is not honored by, the most, by most Christians. The essence of Christianity, as we mentioned, can be found in the truth and in the revelation of Jesus Christ to the purified souls of our saints and our teachers. The essence of Christianity, which will lead us to salvation, is ascesis. Everything that our church teaches, mystia, agripnia, prosephi. People today, they want to modernize, they want to have an ecclesiastical renewal. an ecclesiastical renewal in the Church of Greece, seminars about a renewal. It is not a renewal. It is done for the purpose of destroying the life-saving tradition of the Church, to renew the garb of the priests and make things more comfortable and more Western. We don't need a renewal. The Church is the bride of Christ, and it's always new. We have gotten old as Christians. True renewal is to get back to the Mother Church and study the hymnology, the beautiful hymnology of the Church. When you read the hymnology of Triodion, and now I know that there are books in English of these hymns, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Christianity is faith, hope, peace, and life. In the true sense, Christianity is the heavenly Jerusalem. And when we practice and teach and learn these truths, and when you're out there, you try to portray and give these truths to our brothers and sisters, then we will have hope. Christianity is the proper and correct life that can only take place in the church by taking the mysteries of the church and by being an obedient child of the eternal church of Christ and by what a church was not necessarily instituted 2,000 years ago. The church is eternal. With this in mind, the struggle is beginning again. Starting tonight, we enter Triodion, this beautiful book, the beautiful, beautiful time of the year of the church. And if we take a few moments just to see the wisdom of the church, how in all these different Sundays the church is trying to extract the deadly sins, the Thanasima Amartimata from us, all through, and this is what we're going to be talking about tomorrow, most of this in Greek, and we will summarize some of it in English. From Zacchaeus, the church tries to tell us to extract greed, hilarieria, it kills. From the Pharisee, pride, one of the seven deadly sins. From the prodigal son, asotia, fornication, homosexuality, the church is telling us to extract, get rid of these passions, and not to fall in these traps. From the Sunday of judgment, to help us with the passion of akivia, and spiritual laziness to the fear that we'll be judged, we will be judged someday in front of angels and people, and in front of the entire humanity, we will be judged. And also, through that same parable, not to be despondent and fall into the passion of apognosy and depression, which is a deadly sin of the devil. Not to be depressed, but 
always repent and have the hope that if we repent, God will receive us. This is the beautiful mosaic that the church has put together. The entire church here is, uh, the entire church here is a beautiful mosaic that if we use it properly, it will lead us into the villas of Metania, the gates of repentance. And again, tomorrow night, uh, encourage everyone to come to St. John's Church at Papa Clark. We have a uh, beer for the monastery for the bureau. Um, encourage you to try to bring some new faces. Because if uh, one person comes and their soul is saved, not only will they get a nice uh, plate of chicken, <laughs> but more so the soul will be filled because it's great. At, uh, the chicken probably costs us five, six dollars, but the soul is worth more than five, six dollars. So we're a little bait to get the person in, but uh, Constable will give a humble again tomorrow. So please bring some new faces. Thank you. Sosun Thank you.